Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal, and I'm here today with Bruce McCurdy. Welcome, Bruce. Hey, David. How are you doing? I'm doing well. And I want to welcome the finest, wisest fans in the whole hockey universe, Bruce, Cult of Hockey readers. We're lucky to talk to them. We're lucky to have them interested in our work. You know, Bruce, I was thinking, you know, if we didn't call this the Cult of Hockey podcast, we could call it the Oilers and podcast mm-hmm. because you and I are like ants <laughs> like we just go on and on and on with our you know ruminations. our ruminations <laughs> about uh, this player and that player it's just it, it's uh I think there's a, someone on Twitter called the Oilers ant oh, yeah, yeah. I think I've, I've come across that also yes yeah Alrighty, today we're talking about Kelta Hockey prospects we're talking about the left shot D-men mm-hmm. we're going to be talking about four players in particular um Dmitry Samarukov, William Lagasin, Philip Broberg, and uh, Caleb Jones. And Bruce, that is a very happy list mm-hmm. of players also. for any Oilers fans because that those are those are all guys who are blue chip. Um, well, is Lagasin? close? Blue. All of them are blue chip NHL prospects. They're all, at this they're point. all well inside our top ten. And yeah. four left defensemen, and this on a team that already has uh, Oscar Kleffbaum, Darnell Nurse, uh, as well established left defensemen in the, in the big club that you know have years ahead of them. So the club is very deep at that position, deep enough that it had many people questioning why pick another left defenseman in the, uh, in the draft this year. But we'll we'll talk about that when we get to uh, Broberg. I think every Oilers GM has to be a member of the secret society of of the Leftorium. Mm-hmm. Or they're not allowed to be the Oilers' GM. It, it, what it allows them to do is trade. You could yes. trade Oscar Clefbaum. You could trade Darnell mm-hmm. Nurse. You can trade Chris mm-hmm. Russell if uh, next year easier to trade. Uh, I just, I, it's a, it's, a, it's a really exciting group of hockey players. I have to say, and and I guess the most exciting thing is it gives someone like Broberg all the time in the world oh, to develop. Yeah. He can spend this year and next year in Sweden, and then a year in the AHL. Yep. And uh, nothing wrong with that. I mean, well, his, that's, that's his, what Clefbaum did, basically, and yeah. it worked out for him. His ELC wouldn't kick in till he comes over to the AHL. So right. every year that, uh, like, it's a good idea they didn't bring him over to the AHL this year, for instance, because then it's, the, the clock starts running on the player, does it not? Uh, if they, if I, he, he could come over next year to the AHL, and as long as he doesn't play more than nine games in the NHL, they can do the, the thing Colorado did with Renton, and that's one example. Or that Anaheim did with Ladislav Smeed all those years ago when he played a uh, full season for Portland Pirates in the AHL before. That doesn't count as an ELC year? Uh, it slides. As long as the guy's oh. under 20. Oh, I didn't know it that. It slides like a junior. Okay. As long as he's not, you know, whether he can play nine games in the NHL and if they send him to another league, his contract slides. So that's one possibility. Now, in the case of uh, our man Broberg, uh, whether the AHL is better than the SHL is an open question, but it would help them learn the uh, uh, North American ice surface and, and some of those uh, uh, finer points that he's going to have to learn along the way. Well, so. let's talk about the player. We don't, I mean, I, I can't say I've seen a lot of them. I can't mm-hmm. remember seeing. I've, I mean, I've seen some highlight clips and maybe part of a game. And I'm actually taping the games. We're taping this in uh, early August. He's playing in this tournament. I'm going to watch the, mm-hmm. watch him play in these games. Not putting a lot of weight in what I see because it's just a limited viewing in the right. middle of summer. But he's what we saw in Dev Camp was a great big skinny kid, uh, super athletic and super fast. Mm-hmm. Um, 
with a fairly high degree of skill, not um, an Evan Bouchard level of skill. I wouldn't say like in terms of shooting the puck and skill. Di- a different kind of player than Bouchard. Kind of a more of an an athlete, more of an athletic, more of a Darnell Nurse approach to the yes. game, perhaps without the. Uh, extreme nastiness that we saw at Nurse at the same age and we loved so much. <laughs> um, so, yeah, a hell of a player. Uh, uh, you know, the, the Oilers got some heat for, for drafting uh, Broberg instead of a forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, you're drafting, who knows who's going to turn out and if Broberg turns out. It's a coin flip whether he's going to be a good or great player or a, a mediocre to dead player. Right. It really is a coin flip for players taken at that point in the draft. And if he turns out to be a great player, uh, if he's like the one in four at that level, who who reaches that level, um, that'll be good. I will be happy then. I mean, Darnell Nurse was drafted at the same level, right? And he's mm-hmm. he's he's become a, he's a good player. Mm-hmm. He might even become a great player. So mm-hmm. he's he's on track. Maybe we'll get another guy with a similar skill set who follows the same path. What we saw with Nurse though was slow development. He he yeah. wasn't in the NHL right away. Yeah, he he got sent back for two years also. And then, of course, as soon as he turned pro, he played his way out of the AHL by October of his rookie pro season. Deservedly. Maybe, yeah. And, I think deservedly. Anyways, uh, in the case of uh, Broberg, I did see the guy play um, at the Halinka uh, Gretzky Cup last uh, summer. Uh, Sweden happened to be playing in the Edmonton group, and I saw three of their games. And it was impossible to miss Philip Broberg. He was uh, very, very... His athleticism really shone through, and a very proactive guy. Like his, his sort of natural instinct is grab the puck and go with it, and skate like the wind. Uh, he's a he's an excellent skater, um, not just speed wise, but uh, he's got some. Uh, he, he has some, uh, what the scouts like to call four way skating. Like at uh, development camp, I went down on the first day. I concentrated on him quite a bit, and it's all skating. It's like very boring in in the one sense. But what often stands out in that camp is the guys that have been around for two, three years have a big advantage because they know some of the drills, they know some of the expectations of one-footed stuff or the backward stuff or carrying a puck under one skate while trying to motor your way around with the other skate. And what caught me, my eye about Broberg was how quickly he caught on to the various challenges. And he might look a little awkward the first time, and by the time they'd run through the drill three or four times, he'd be among the... top skaters out there and, and it's uh, just seems to come very naturally to him. Now the interesting thing one of the interesting things that has developed right away was the question is where is he going to play Hamilton or uh, Skeleftia and Scott Howes and the Oilers personnel director was on uh, Oilers now talking mm-hmm. about that decision and they were saying they, they just want him to play right. and if, it, it, but if they feel if he plays at the Swedish uh, elite league level that's probably the best bet because he's playing against men. Now, the question is, is how much is he going to play? I think it'll be a success. Last year, Broberg played uh, 14-33 a game in the Swedish uh, second league. I think if he plays that much in the elite league, that'll be a successful. That's mm-hmm. a reasonable expectation. And that'll be enough playing time with all the practice time that he gets. That will be c- considered a decent developmental year. So what I was doing, I was looking at the Skeleftia roster yeah. to see exactly how it's going to shake out. Now, they have all three right demon back from last year. They're top three guys. So we won't deal with that. And one of them is an owner player, Philip Berglund, and right. he's slotted in the second role. On lefty, though, Bruce, um, they lost... There are three top guys from last year. One of them, Emil Juice, came to the Dallas Stars. He's going to be on their farm team. One of them looks like he retired, and another one moved on because he's probably a mediocre player. 
Um, so they've replaced those guys with two uh, Swedish League veterans um, from Vaxjo. Like, they don't look like, like great guys. And they, they have one other guy who was their seventh defenseman, Patrick Norn. Now, the interesting thing is what we heard part of the decision was, though, that two of these players... Uh, I think on the left side are out with the injury until Christmas, which might open up things early on for Broberg. And if he seizes the job and does well with it, when these other players are out, he, he would probably keep that job. Right. So there's, they did bring in. Um, they also brought in a top attacker from this the the uh, second division. So there's, they brought in lots of replacement players, but with two of these guys injured, he it, it looks like he'll get a chance for about 14 minutes a night starting out. Maybe he can get up to that second pairing range, which we'll see him play about 18 minutes a game. If he got up to that, I'd be ecstatic. Yeah, they don't generally have a lot of big-minute guys in the Swedish league because generally they use seven guys they and, they, and they spread the ice time around. So 20 or 21 minutes is top, and even second pairing, where normally in the NHL you have four guys in 20-plus minutes. 18 or so minutes of second pairing. In it's Swedish. that egalitarian Swedish. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, anyway... Uh, I don't know what the nuts and bolts of the deal is when a, when an NHL rights player is loaned to the Swedish league, which is at least how it goes on the books from an Oilers perspective. Now, I think Shalafdia has signed their own contract with the player, and they probably have pretty free reign, but it would like be nice to think that they've discussed with the Oilers and have some kind of plan, because the Oilers surely had a little bit of a bargaining chip in, in saying, well, if you... You know, if if you can't make us any promises, then we're going to pressure the guy to go and play in Hamilton because we know he'll play a lot there. But as you say, ideally, if he's at 18, if he's playing against you know the Swedish league, which uh, he himself called the third best league in the in the world, it's pretty hard to gainsay that. You know, the NHL, the KHL, are above the SHL. I would say the AHL is very close to that level, but uh, uh, that's uh, that's. Um, uh, the chance to continue to play against men, as he did in Allsvenskan last year, but at an even higher level in Sweden, is potentially the best of all worlds if you know if things break right. Alrighty, William Magasen, another Swedish defenseman. He was he's the uh, he's taken in the 2014 draft. So talk uh, about overripe. Yeah. He's gone from U.S. college to the Swedish league to the AHL. Two years U.S. college. Uh, mm -hmm. one year in the uh, Swedish League and now a full year in the HL. And Bruce, he was a pretty interesting player in right the HL. The lots of energy, lots of skating ability, hits hard, works hard, but a little bit of chaos in his game. A oh, yeah. little bit of chaos in his game. And, and um, <laughs> in the playoffs, yeah, there was lots of good and there was lots of bad. Mm -hmm. um, but there was enough good. That, that makes you think this guy can play because he's big and he's tough and he's physical. He, he reminded me a little bit of like an Igor Ulyanov uh -huh. kind of player. And I don't know how, how, what fans are going to make of that, but uh, you know, there's a there's a little bit of up and down in Ulyanov's game. Oh yeah, <laughs> but he's still young. He's mm -hmm. he what is he? He's, he's uh, 23 now. Yeah, he's 23. This is clearly the year he, he he'll be wanting to make the NHL. He'll mm -hmm. be disappointed mm -hmm. if he doesn't. And he's got a he's got a shot to be the seventh seventh mm -hmm. defenseman, I'd say, on the Oilers this mm -hmm. year. And again, he's another player where, you know, if he's the seventh defenseman and, and I think that's fine. He doesn't need more time to ripen. Mm -hmm. He's he's 23 like this mm -hmm. is prime time for for a hockey player. It's time to get going and be in the NHL if you're going to be in the NHL. So 
Um, like, I don't want to sit in the press box for months on end. I'm not saying right. that. But usually defensemen get injured, right? So if you're mm-hmm. the seventh team and you're after game 10, you're in the lineup. So Right. What do you think yeah. of him? Well, he's the lone um, survivor from the Kevin Prendergast era who's still in our uh, prospects pool. Uh, That's Stu McGregor. Stu Sorry, Stu McGregor. But yeah. My bad. Previous scouting director, Stu McGregor, 2014. Yeah. Uh, the Oilers traded their second and third round picks that year. They had uh, Leon Dreisaitl, of course, in the first round, and then um, uh, William Lagesson, first pick in the fourth round. And he was um, uh, just a, an interesting prospect right from the get-go, a real wild card. But he played for Sweden at the U-20s uh, two times. He played a year in USHL even before he went into uh, um, uh Hockey East and NC2A for the two years. So he's really had experience on the narrow ice. Uh, he went back to Sweden for some seasoning. And last year, one of the one of the real sort of surprising elements about his game as a rookie North American pro was the offense. Yeah. He wound up with 27 points last year, which was fourth on uh, Bakersfield. Oh. But you know what? Once he threw out the, uh, all the, the, power, the power play, play. points, yeah. he was actually first on the team in, in even strength points. For, for D-men. For D-men. He was ahead of Jones. He was ahead of Bear. He was ahead of Day. First on the team with 24 even strength points. And his other three points came on the penalty kill, I believe. Anyway, he was uh, he was very much a uh, uh, attacking uh Forced to a degree, he scored a, a huge overtime goal in the in the playoffs. A big comeback game that they had in the playoffs. It was him who did, broke it up in overtime, and uh, he, he just like he's not so much a consistent offensive force, but when he decides, when he gets involved in the play, he's effective. And he sort of you know he'll come, he'll surprise you because he's not always joining the rush, but but he'll move up in the zone. He'll see the holes and you know and make stuff happen. So he's probably got he's got NHL size. Yep. He, he's probably an average skater. Yeah. NHL average. So NHL mm-hmm. size, NHL hustle and grit. Competitiveness. Yeah. Up so the so the size. So he's we're talking about a third pairing defenseman top topping out. I don't see him probably. Yeah. But he could do that. He could be kind of in the Matt Green mold. You know, like uh, that kind of big, tough, physical third pairing defenseman mm-hmm. and uh, who can move the puck a bit so uh, not mm-hmm. the Matt Green yeah and he's he, he, there's, he there's, there's a lot of grease in his game though like I said like, yeah he's tough I remember the, the scouting report the day they drafted him um, uh, McGregor I guess it was said compete level compete level about three or four different times when talking about the player like it's really one of his standout characteristics he likes to get in the faces of opponents and stir things up and you know just just uh, he won't back down, and, and uh, uh, that aspect of his game I like. The the, the issue is uh, is he too error prone to make it consistently as an NHL? Does he get beat too often on the pinch? Does he you know does he cough up the puck too often? We certainly saw some of that in the AHL playoffs. All right, Dmitry Samarukov. Well. This is a really interesting player, this player. because uh, he was taken in the third round, 84th overall in 2017 draft. Mm-hmm. Bruce, if there was a redraft, he might go on the bottom end of the first round. Oh, That's yeah. how much um, Sam Rukov, there's actually a lot of good players taken in 2017s. I, I checked it out. So mm-hmm. um, he'd be bottom end first, high second mm-hmm. if there was a redraft. He has come on like gangbusters at the OHL level since then. 
Um, he was on a, the same team that Guelph Storm as Ryan Merkley. And when Ryan Merkley, who's a real offensive talent, um, uh, was traded halfway through the year, partly because I, I don't think they, they liked the player too much for, for whatever mm -hmm. reason, um, <laughs> Samarukov started to get a lot of power play time. And man, did he take advantage of it in the playoffs, to the point where in the playoffs he had, in 24 games, 10 goals and 18 assists. Yeah. And heading into the Memorial Cup, he was talked about as being the best NHL prospect at the Cup. At yeah. the Memorial Cup, mm -hmm. if I'm not, I think I'm I think recalling it was that correctly. Second, maybe there, second. There was one guy ahead of him. Yeah. So and, uh, that and would in, have been uh, Noah Dobson. That's right. And in watching Samarukov, you can see why. There's there's some blips in his game. He can be fairly. He can be high event now and then too. Like he can make defensive gaffes. Mm -hmm. A lot of defensemen can, but he's a great. He's six foot two. I think he's. They have him at one eighty on hockey DB. I think he's put on weight since since yes. since that measurement. He looks like six two, about two hundred. The way he plays, he hits. But is he ever a fantastic skater? He is so smooth on his skates, and he's pretty good with mm -hmm. the puck. He makes pretty good decisions with the puck. His problems mm -hmm. come sometimes in defensive reads, right. I think, and and not being aggressive enough defensively. But wow, the guy is smooth on the ice. I really like the way he skates. Yeah, I like this player a lot. He's really come uh, along in uh, uh, each year since uh, since he was drafted. And last year, as you say, the second half, he really took off. He was over a point a game. He was over a point a game in the playoffs. And the thing about the guy is that uh, he's not just an offensive blue liner. Like when we look at Evan Bouchard, we're going to be talking largely about his offense. Samarkov, they did a, they did a poll of OHL coaches and he was listed as a t in the top three if not the top one for a defensive defenseman for best hitter among defensemen like that a few different categories and and he scored well on on the defensive side of the puck as well as uh, as offensively uh, he's put up the numbers so he's uh, he's a really sort of well-rounded prospect he's got the size he's got the skating He's got uh, some offensive punch to his game, and he's uh, uh, got some strong defensive skills. Now, you talk about the breakdowns. Well, guess what? He just turned 20 years old in June. He's turned pro. There's going to be no rush for him to make the NHL right off, although uh, I've heard from some people close to the team that um, uh, they think he's on the fast track. And yeah. Is that he, what does that mean? Like, that's it means he's close to ready, is what uh, the, the take that I that got. Sounds like, that, that sounds like something like, like out of 2011, though. Like, well, like just, you know, like this let's rush guys. No, it wasn't let's rush him. That's it. He's going to make himself undeniable, was the, was the take that I got. Do from. you believe that from watching? I don't, I don't buy that myself, Bruce. I see a player who's in a very similar position as Caleb Jones while he's mm -hmm. coming out of major junior hockey. Not that different. Mm -hmm. Not that much better. Caleb Jones was a hell of a player. Caleb Jones has been two years in the AHL, mm -hmm. and he's he's. We're going to talk about it in a second, but I see Sam Rukov being on at least one year in the I'd AHL. I'd be happy to see him get a full year down there. Oh, but, definitely, and and but, probably two. Mm -hmm. I'm saying probably two. Well, I guess I guess we'll see. Anyway. Which is which isn't. That's for a defenseman, unlike yeah. a forward. Oh, that's, that's that's true. They need a couple of years. That's that's like. You have to, like these. There's these different categories of players, attacking forward like Benson, mm -hmm. one year kicking it in the AHL. That's mm -hmm. plenty. Defenseman though, mm -hmm. two years, maybe three. And then, of course he's going to go down there and spend some time with uh, 
the defense whisperer, Dave Manson, to learn how to... Because <laughs> whispering is what Dave Manson does these days, ever since his encounter with Sergio Momesso all those years ago. But, Dave Manson uh, was a hell of a hockey yeah, he, yeah, anyway, he's, a, he's uh, got a good reputation as a defensive coach, and that's what uh, Samarkov can expect, you know, a lot of... Lot of uh, development time in in the AHL. And the point is, you know, there's no rush that he's needed unless he proves himself so good that he can't be held back. So on the left side, um, here's a head, Oscar Clefbaum's ahead of him mm -hmm. on the depth, depth, depth chart, and Clefbaum mm -hmm. is signed up long term. Darnell Nurse mm -hmm. ahead of him. Nurse is heading for a new big contract. We'll see how that works out. Chris Russell, he's got two years left on his deal in Edmonton. Um, he's still a, a decent NHL hockey player, Logason, um, who we've talked about. And then we have uh, Broberg and Samarukov and Caleb Jones. And Caleb Jones. Caleb Jones can play the right side as well. And I, and I wouldn't be surprised to see him on the right side. Um, so there's lots of players ahead. Yeah. Of, my point is that Logos, uh, Samarukov. So two years would be a reasonable amount of time to ripen on the vine and then churn up to the top. And he didn't mention Brandon Manning. Or Keegan Lowe. As a head of a month with a $2 million um, contract. Yeah, I didn't. <laughs> All right. Uh, Caleb Jones, Bruce, what do you think of him? Well, I like him. Uh, I, you know, he was an excellent pick for where they got him, 117th overall in 2015. After, remember they went into that draft, they had two first rounders, two second rounders, two third rounders. Of course, they used the first pick on on uh, Connor McDavid, and they traded all five of the other picks that had you know double-digit numbers. And then they got Caleb Jones at 117, Ethan Bear at 124, and they kind of shored up the, at least their prospect depth on defense right with right with those two moves. Now, as a fourth-round pick, uh, as opposed to his brother, who was a fourth overall pick, Seth Jones, uh, you would expect him. Uh, to take a bunch of time, and he has, and he's and he's taken advantage of this time. He, he's now played two years in the AHL, and he was so much better in the second year than the first. There was Wasn't almost he? no comparison. Yeah, he really was. <laughs> and, and and his time in the Oilers, it, it was kind of a schizophrenic appearance at the NHL level in that he was so good mm -hmm. as a third-pairing defenseman. Of course, they couldn't resist. They had to right. move him up to the top pairing. Uh, and where he just got caved. Well, they, they so, had... Uh, so they he had, was... It was... Yeah, go ahead. Kleckbaum and Russell both went out at the yeah. same time. So uh, he got pushed up, and they put him with Adam Larson, and the, that pair struggled mightily. They, they went, as I recall, minus 10 in four games at one point. And Larson was playing yeah, terribly Larson at that had point. a horrible time. But Hitchcock fell in love with the player. And mm -hmm. guess what? See why. Most fans, Oilers fans, said he was so strong on, the, on this third pairing. Because... Okay, he can skate, 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 skate. And he's pretty good at passing the puck as well. Mm -hmm. He's not a bad defender. Mm -hmm. So he's got this this basket of NHL skills, which is pretty uh, full of great ingredients. His game that we saw really well when he was with Team USA and uh, won the gold medal in the World Juniors uh, his last year of junior, is his, his sort of predominant skill is puck retrieval and movement. Like, He'll win the race to the puck, and then he'll just make the quick pass to an open teammate and get it going in the right direction. And that is uh, becoming more and more the NHL game, and it's been a huge problem for Edmonton Oilers for far too long of, of, of speed on the back end and just consistent first pass out of the zone. 
we've got too many guys on, uh, on this team that can't make that first pass or can't make it consistently. And uh, and Jones was uh, was very good at that. No, well, and look at the look at these guys, Bruce. Like Larson, Clefbaum, Benning, Nurse, Russell. None of those guys. None of those guys is a better than average passer at the like. And some of them are below average. Mm -hmm. So that's really you're really handicapping your team. So Jones might be like jump to the head of that pack, mm -hmm. and, and Evan Bouchard might mm -hmm. jump to the head of that pack. Joel Person, we haven't seen him play. He might jump right up there. So. So um, supposedly an excellent pass. Logason, he'll fit right in. Mm -hmm. <laughs> He's more of a physical player. But Samarukov mm -hmm. has the potential to be a player, yeah, well, and so does hopefully Broberg. Uh, although that, that's really not right now passing the puck isn't his top skill. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, I, I that's why I'm excited about Caleb Jones. I hope to see him in the third pairing this year, right off the top, and he might move up to the second pairing before the year is over, um, depending on how he plays. I, he, let's just hold off on that top yeah. pairing for Well, yeah, I mean, the, yeah, the issue is, yeah, the top pairing for sure. The issue is that the top four right now, I mean, well, last year there was really three top four defensemen and a couple of guys on the four or five boundary are still there, Chris Russell and, and Matt Benning. But I don't think in either case you can say that guy's a surefire top four defenseman for Edmonton it, this year. So it's someone can seize the job, and maybe it's Caleb Jones. It's interesting because the coach Tippett has talked about his preference for having players on their uh, right side, so not on their off wing, so right. to speak, or their off D, I guess you'd call it, not mm -hmm. on their off D. So th this means moving Chris Russell back to the left side. So if they're all healthy, you have Clefbaum, Nurse, and Russell, which is an okay-ish left side defensive mm -hmm. group. There's not one really outstanding player there um, who fits in easily onto the top pairing, unfortunately. But um, as a group, they're okay. So Jones doesn't make the team then in that, unless he can beat out Russell, unless Russell's the seventh D-man. Right. Because um, then you'd have Pearson, Benning, and, uh, Larson. and Larson on the right side. But I think... Um, We'll see. It'll be maybe it's between Jones and Pearson for the that right side on the uh, third pairing right now, or maybe Benning is in the same kind of competition with those three guys. Like maybe Benning's the one. Maybe Jones and Pearson both uh, make the we'll team, and, and Benning is the seventh D man, which um, at times last year would have been a rational call, especially the first, first half of the year. Matt Benning really struggled. So, all right, I think we're I think we're done. You know, the best news for all of these young guys is the opening up of that spot. Yes, that but, was crucial. I mean, Andrew Secker, I mean, we talk about puck movers. Andrew Secker was the best puck mover that they had. It's true. But he wasn't necessarily the guy who was going to win the race to the puck to move it. And they need the way, both. He, the way Caleb Jones can do it. So. Yeah, I'm a huge Caleb Jones fan. Mm -hmm. uh, like, there's always players you take a shine to. Mm -hmm. And he's on my list for this year. I really, right I'm really rooting for the guy. All right. Thanks, Bruce. Thanks for talking today. Thanks for listening, everyone. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast.